Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Welcome back to Life to the Full podcast with your host, The Cito's. That will be Jimmy and Patty. <laughs> yeah. If you've been with us from day one since April of 2020, thank you so much for joining us and downloading the episodes on Wednesdays. Usually, most people do it around 9 p.m. That's what we're seeing in Simplecast. Really? Yeah, the most listeners are opening or listening in the evening. Whatever time you listen to us, it's truly appreciated from the Cedo household. So, last episode, episode 28, we ended the episode with a little bit back and forth between Jimmy and I. And I wanted to give you a recap. I know I had set out a challenge for myself and then obviously I shared it with you guys. Um, to go ahead and get in touch with someone to con- to start the conversation. And it brought up some things in my end. Yeah, so just to recap your recap, you were, while we were talking, you realized that you were feeling some things. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little anger was starting to well up and you realized that you weren't resolved with a particular person over a particular issue. No, it wasn't about being unresolved. Mm. It just brought up feelings. like Feelings. Yeah, as in like, wait, what happened? Mm. And so with the text that I made actually while we were recording, I got a call, I got a text right back saying, yes, let's meet up because that, that was my expectation. We have a friendship. There is nothing unresolved because the thing that I was bothered was with about you (laughs) that had nothing to do with me but we are a couple so i do get affected Hmm. about your friendships and your relationships and we had a really cool conversation we set up a time and so i'm happy because there are gonna be times i don't know if you've experienced this honey you have a a good talk with somebody you guys walk away yeah awesome and then later on (gasps) Feelings come up again. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not resolved. It just means we're human and we're going to have emotions. And at the end of our conversation, he he did something really special. And I appreciate the fact that, hey, if anything else comes up at whatever time or for whatever else, text me. We'll continue to have the conversation. And the end of a conversation was like, yeah, we absolutely disagree. <laughs> that was the end of it. We, we disagree. We wish... The other party could agree with the other, but that's not the case right now. It doesn't mean that it may, this is going to be the case for forever, you know, and and the hope it's like, man, I hope one day I'm wrong. That's what this person says. So Mm. that was, that was very humble 
Uh, and I, I'm good. I'm good with that. And, and it's true, guys. I mean, the feelings are going to come up. I don't necessarily have to keep running to this person. This is why story work is good. This is why um, ha writing things down is really good. Uh, so, But it, initiate, it continue the conversation that we have. And um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's really okay to be re recharge i guess that will be this in episode 28 if you have not heard it please go back to it where you said think of the long term go with the long term right. in mind yeah this is not a quick resolution this is not a one-time text or a phone call yeah because We've had conversations that did not go well, mm -hmm. right? And 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 that's expected as part of our journey, you know. Because episode twenty eight was, it was challenge challenging everybody that we cannot stamp. Oh, they're not disciples. Oh, they're not Christians. So therefore, I'm not going to have this conversation. I'll just pray for them. No, we're we're pushing that to the side and saying. We got to be humans. We got to have human to human conversations and open up instead of stamping, I'll pray for you hmm. and you're not a disciple. I don't know if you've ever heard the spiritual code before, oh, this person is struggling. Mm -hmm. And for me, that, that usually means that the person disagrees with somebody, usually in some type of leadership position, whether paid or unpaid, you know, type of thing. Mm -hmm. I've heard it more too when someone who doesn't want to serve mm. um, or when someone's not showing up to mm. an event. I heard that a lot. Well, so-and-so is struggling. Or or when someone's not meeting the uh, everyday quiet time. Yeah. Those are the things that I've heard it in. Yeah, so I think we're saying similar things because I'm saying like someone feels like someone should be doing something or thinking something. They had a conversation and that person didn't agree. And so, you know, I think most people would think, oh, okay, like the conversation didn't, didn't go well, at least from our tradition, because we didn't get someone to agree. And so, oh, that person is still struggling through until they agree with me. Mm, not my experience, but yeah. okay. I mean, I see that as yours. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Um, well, I guess in the word struggling, I, I understand that. That um, when you don't necessarily agree with somebody that, well, at least that's been your experience, you've been labeled struggling or hmm. all these things. I feel like we need a better definition of like struggling. Like that's kind of like lingo from our tradition. Oh, someone who's struggling. Mm. You know, and it can mean a host of things. It can mean that they're engaging in behavior. Mm -hmm. That's, it. you know, commonly uh, accepted by the church tradition. Right to be sinful, they have a sinful attitude. It's not a video, honey. No one's seeing that you're doing a quotation. <laughs> they can hear it in my voice. They can hear it in my voice. Sinful. Know. That's with quotes. See if people can get it. Sinful. That's without quotes. I think people got it. <laughs> I think you will stand corrected, Miss Patty. Uh, so yeah, where was I? Lost my train of thought. Thank you very, m thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. I think we need a better definition of struggling. I think, at least in our tradition, we should eliminate that entirely. 
Um, I do feel like struggling, though, is almost like code Mm. for like, you know, like someone's not following advice or someone's not towing the line or someone's not, you know, agreeing with our policy Mm. in a certain area. And I feel like, you know, like N.T. Wright said in uh, your favorite book. How God Became King. Yeah. That we tend to trade the gospel for advice. Mm, I had, yes. Yeah. Like many church traditions, I feel like ours included, uh, don't talk really about the gospel much at all. Right. Uh, But what they do talk a lot about is advice. Mm. Like they're trying to make a better person by advising them. Mm -hmm. You know? There's a practicality. While, while using scriptures. While using scriptures, yeah. About that. There's a practicality bent to the scriptures that I feel like, you know, like takes precedence over the, you know, the recklessness of the Bible in many oh. ways. Because I feel like the Bible, you know, talks about reckless love, reckless forgiveness, mm-hmm. like in a way that's like shocking and scandalous and offensive. Oh. I think if you're not a, a little bit offended by the good news, I don't think you're reading your Bible right. Because I feel like the Bible speaks into every age, into every culture, and challenges it. Okay, that's you fair know? enough. Yeah. That's fair to say that. Um, so we, we were in the... You were, we were talking about Jesus' words on hell. And so in episode 23... Sorry, 28. Last 28, episode, yep. Uh, you landed on Matthew 5. And, and I know you had more. Uh, so we want to wrap up this episode mm-hmm. with ending the gospel series. So, um, I don't know if you want to do a recap for anyone who's just jumping in this episode. Um, but what do you have in mind for today? So, yeah, I think, um, we may, may or may not finish the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we'll, we'll see how, how we do, but the idea is, you know, we've, We've gone through and facing our responsibility in this season that we're in. Mm -hmm. We talked about the overarching story of the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you talk to most Christians, or even if you talk to most non-Christians, most people would feel like Christianity, by and large, is about how to escape hell and how to get to heaven. Right. But then when we kind of unpacked that and we looked at the larger overarching narrative of the Bible, what is the Bible actually trying to say? What is this big story here? It doesn't seem to have much of hell at all, right? Um, and we, we talked a little bit about it last week, unless you're looking at a King James version right. that takes a lot of the Hebrew words that don't mean hell right. and just translates them as hell. Like Shalom. Like Sheol, Sheol right? Or, or the, pit, the pit, right? Mm-hmm. Hades, Hades or Sheol. Uh, and it just, you know, drops hell on top of it, mm-hmm. you know, which is obviously a mistranslation. And most modern translations, including the NIV, you know, have taken that out. So it really just seems to be a little bit of hell at the end of the story, that last 20% of the Bible that we call the New Testament, mm-hmm. right? Jesus seems to talk about it the most, you mm-hmm. know, and um, it's, it's in the book of Revelation. Um, however, when we kind of even unpack the way Jesus uses hell, right, it seems to be more of like he's talking about an actual specific place, like he's pointing to the Valley of Gehom, Right. He's talking to an act. He's talking about an actual historical point in time mm-hmm. where something happened and judgment came. Right. There was a before and there was an after. There was no eternity. Right. There was like a specific point where, you know, enough was enough and there was some type of act of judgment or some type of consequences or something happened in history. 
you, there's a specific point in time, right? And so when you look at that and you look at the larger overarching story of the Bible where it seems to be about heaven and earth coming back together, yes. about God's relationship with man being restored, right? Mm-hmm. And what that looks like and how that's accomplished. And we have, you know, the different Garden of Eden metaphors of the temple and how, you know, you had these different temples. You had Moses's tabernacle, you had Solomon's temple. It's like very Garden of Eden imagery in these temples. And just like the Garden of Eden, they couldn't get in. They couldn't get in because of sin. And right. we talked about changing our definition of sin, right? right? Sin is not necessarily, ooh, I told two lies today. Bless <laughs> me, Father, for I have sinned, right? Uh, I was disrespectful wow, to my Catholic parents. There. I did. Mm-hmm. I did, you know? Well, what do we bring more to that tradition? What, what In our tradition, what do you think we consider sin? Uh, I was disrespectful to my wife. Um, I... I lied when my boss asked me if I filed the paperwork. I said yes, but I hadn't, but I didn't want to look bad or I didn't want to get yelled at. Um, I lost my patience in traffic. You know, it's very, like, specific. Mm. And I think, you know, that probably even deserves its own series of, you know, talks. You know, because those, those are more like the acts of the sinful nature. Those are like the consequence, mm-hmm. if you will, what it could produce. But sin itself is more of like a state of being. Right. It's a state of wrongness coming from the old archery term to miss the mark. Yeah. Right. You had a purpose. You had an aim. You had a goal. And somewhere along the line, you lost the story. You lost what you were supposed to be about. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. So that's about it's kind of getting the sin out of the world. Like, how do you deal with the sin? Right. And you should have these different Garden of Eden like metaphors where heaven and earth come together. Right. Like they did in the Garden of Eden. And uh, how to deal with the sin so we can start bringing that together. And then Jesus being described in very temple-like imagery with the spirit filling him. And so Jesus kind of creates these little spaces wherever he goes uh, where heaven and earth meet. Right? And, you know, a lot of times he deals with people's sins. You know, I think people can tend to focus on the miracles, focus on the healing. But really Jesus was there to deal with the sin. And when we say sin, it doesn't mean necessarily that he was even dealing with what they had done. Mm-hmm. He was dealing with how they had lost themselves, how they had, they had lost what it meant to be human. Hmm. You know, specifically for Jesus, he came to Israel because they had lost what it meant to be Israel, hmm. right? He the fulfilled their story, mm-hmm. right? He was the culmination. He did for Israel what Israel was never able to do, mm-hmm. you know, what it couldn't do. And I think, you know, like, yeah, so that's kind of like the recap of where we've been. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what Those we've been were some at. of my questions, actually, um, mm. as, as I was going through um, the book of Mark, was the whole, uh, that we could get so focused on what Jesus told people, like the woman that was bleeding. And mm-hmm. it, so, so you will think when he says stop sinning, it's that we, we think that something is wrong with her or to the prostitutes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, stop sleeping around. We think, we think that Jesus was saying those things right um and you are you know that was a good recap of just like those things are like the consequences Mm -hmm. of sin instead of the being uh, or or in other words go back to your calling right calling that i have specifically for you yeah okay all right so that answers some of that the question that i had as i read the one of the gospels because you're doing the one gospel challenge exactly when i did that uh, the thing that kept, kept popping up 
was I was fighting myself or my um, my understanding when I read certain scriptures to not focus on the individual's um, like what they were doing and why Jesus was healing them or interacting with them right because it gets we've been taught to make it so personal mm. right like so and so then we take some of these interactions of Jesus and we completely go off what his major message was, which was the kingdom. The kingdom, yep. And we make it so personal into the sense of, and we miss, yeah, we missed the point. And so, yeah, so it wasn't a question. What I was saying is like, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that Jesus was not saying stop sleeping around what he was saying is be who i created you to be right which is very different and so yeah because it it kept popping up in 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 the reading like i had to like constantly fight against those specific things Hmm. um that because they're 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 ingrained i think uh you're right you know, and I think, you know, knowing the whole story, you know, changes some of that. You know, because it's uh, even a lot of things that, that Jesus does, like, you know, there a lot of them. There's not just a leper for no reason. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's not just like, you know, these things just just out of nowhere. Like Jesus is like doing things that like even if you understand the book of Leviticus, mostly, you know, ignored by most Christians. Uh, Jesus is dealing with sin. He's dealing with the sin of the people in a way that, you know, jives with what Leviticus was meant to do. Leviticus Leviticus was meant to deal with the sins of the people so they could enter into those sacred spaces where heaven and earth met in the temple and the tabernacle. Uh Right? Yeah, and maybe... I, I, I don't know what you have in store, so maybe this is why it's important for us to have these conversations but i just want to know where we are ending mm. and how we're wrapping up the gospel right and so responsibility i feel like we already kind of finished the gospel right we did gospel one gospel two and then last week we did hell one right reconsidering hell because then you get to you have a problem i feel like when you actually really read the whole story and you fight very hard to keep your tradition or what you've been taught these things mean out and you encounter the Bible on its own terms. Okay. Possibly even for the first time in your life. Mm-hmm. Right? And then, you know, for me in particular, you know, like I was I was taught very much that we needed to fear hell and we were saving people from hell. And that was our mission. And I remember even, you know, being a young campus student you know, being on the college that I went to, uh, being like a volunteer campus leader and just like being in tears because I'm like, oh, there's so many people here who are just going to hell. I remember like the cars would pass by and I'd be like, how am I going to save all these people? What am I going to do? And I, it just like, you know, I think I at the time I really lived my life like I really thought that people could be going to hell at any minute, you know, and I really like, I really felt that. I really believed that. 
and I live my life that way. However, if you look at most Christians' lives, and I feel like this was true of me as I got older as well, they don't live their lives as if they believe people are going to hell. They might say they do. They might say that that's what we all believe. But either like it's not what they really believe or they're the most selfish people imaginable because they're going to their jobs. They're going into their families. They're going into relationships with their friends, right? And they're not constantly warning people about this fiery judgment that's coming that they can't escape, right? That hell is just around the corner and here's the good news. I'm going to be able to snatch you up away from that with what I know, with my knowledge. You need to believe what I believe. You need to know what I know. You need to say what I've said and you know you need to follow my instructions because I know the way to escape hell. And I think you get to this point where you actually read the Bible, you encounter the Bible on its own terms, and you get to the end of the story and you're like, but but wait, this doesn't seem to be about hell at all. The gospel doesn't seem to be about hell at all, which we talked about in the gospel series. It's more about heaven and earth coming together, right? It's more about fulfilling my purpose. It's more about becoming what I was meant to become. It's more about the here and now. You know, the kingdom of heaven is near. Mm-hmm. It's coming near. Like Jesus was talking about something that was, it was here. It was eminent. Not, not, and on earth. Not something that he was going to have to experience when he died. And then I feel like this causes a big crisis for people. Because they're like, but everything I've ever done has been because in my spiritual life, in my relationship uh with my church has been about this whole idea of escaping hell and going to heaven. And we've forgotten about the here and now. We've forgotten about what God wants us to do in our communities and our families and our workplaces and our schooling and our lives here and now. So then with this whole reconsidering hell series and taking our responsibility, we're taking a second look at some of these scriptures that talk about hell and being like, well, what if hell wasn't a faraway judgment that was going to be eternal? What if hell was a present reality that people could be experiencing now? Does that change for me the way I take some of Jesus's words? And we, we started that discussion last week. All right, so I figured we could just get right into it. All right, so looking again at the Sermon on the Mount, remember this is kind of Jesus's go-to sermon. That's what some people think, Mm -hmm. or some people think it's a collection of sayings that people kind of just grouped into, like, you know, they said, okay, like, let's imagine Jesus said all these things at one time. Um, But here we have it, you know, if if you're kind of looking for what Jesus's message was uh, when he was here, it it would probably look something like this. And this also has the highest concentration of hell references that we see, right? So last week we talked about murder, right? We talked about all that stuff. And today we are moving on. We're going to be camping out in Matthew 5, 29. And we're going to be going on from there. But I'm going to back up. I'm going to start at 27. So he begins, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, right? 
But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. That's right. a lot of hell. Yeah, it's a lot of hell in there. <laughs> wow, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jesus didn't have his latte that morning. He's like, oh, Peter was supposed to bring me my cappuccino before I talk today. <laughs> ah. You sound like bat, bat dad. Bat dad. <laughs> bat Jesus. Why has no one done that yet? And you mean B-A-T. Yep. Not bad. That's like B-A-D. Bad Jesus. No. Bat. I don't mean like bad Santa. I I mean like, (laughs) like if you can imagine, you know, Jesus being like Batman, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if we want to do that. We don't want the emails (laughs) and the phone calls. Anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Back, back to back to Matthew Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, so you know here here it talks about you know you've heard that it was said do not commit adultery. It's pretty self-explanatory. You know I don't know if it, this it was uh, written like this or received like this, but I kind of like the idea like you know you heard that it was said you know almost casually. This is like you know cornerstones of like the uh, the Torah right the Ten Commandments. Right, or the Decalogue, the ten words, one of them being do not commit adultery. Yep. Right. So uh, you know, again, I think most people have taken this as Jesus like one upping the Torah, you know. I you have heard it said, you know, don't commit adultery. But I'm telling you, as if Jesus is even like raising the bar even higher. Sure. I personally don't think that's what Jesus is doing. I think Jesus here is interpreting the Old Testament or the Torah for us, right? He's kind of going into it, you know. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, right? It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. What do you think most... Let's continue, actually. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jimmy thinks, again, that we're making a video. He uh, pulled his sleeve out and looks like a pirate with no hands. Mm. Who lives in the pineapple under the sea? Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, so when, when you've heard that scripture preached before, mm-hmm. right? what do you think most people in our tradition's understanding of that scripture is? I will say I've heard it more like in confession, like just get it out or or like, yeah, in like in the purity ministry kind mm. of thing of like. Um, well, I mean, I think it's good for you and for us to do this. I'll, I'll give you some things that I, I've I've seen and heard, too. So if someone struggles with like lust or someone struggles with pornography you know, I've heard people say, okay, bounce your eyes, bounce your eyes, especially when the weather gets warmer and like, you know, maybe women are wearing less clothing, like, you know, just avert your gaze. It's better to like be blind. 
effort than, than to protect to your brothers, so therefore wear a t-shirt over your bathing suit. Oh, wow. Oh, come on. You never heard of that? No, I no, I heard of that. Oh, then what's the wow for? Um, well, just, you know, to hear it again, it, I think it's it can and, be... And put the responsibility on, on the woman. Right. I've heard it this way. So, yes, yes. So, yeah. So, you know... Look away, run away. You know, it's better for you to lose that friendship than mm. for you to sin. Because there's a co worker that all of a sudden you had like a little bit of chemistry, now all of a sudden you quit your job. <laughs> Whoa. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if you're acting, but these are serious things that are actually happening. Well, people have left jobs when we use the scripture like this. Yes. Not that it's shocking. Not that I'm, I'm not familiar. I do think, though, it is a little shocking for me. <laughs> um, only because, you know, even in our tradition, like, the women and the men have kind of also been, you know, like, on two sides of the room, mm-hmm. to, to use that expression. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's like, there's almost like there, there are men, the men talk to the men, the men exactly. help the men, exactly. the women help the women, you know, like, they deal with the women issues. Yeah. So, you know, I'm... I'm aware of some of this stuff happening, but I think like even like when you, every time I hear it, it, it still like hits me like, wow, that someone said that to you, you know, because I, I can't like. No one said that to me, per yeah. se, but yeah, of course. I, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point that you bring that at the two sides of the room, we've mm-hmm. done a lot of discipling that way. Totally. Yeah. You know, you need to like do all these things so that you can just stay as far away from lust as possible. Yep. You know, Jesus, like it was said before, don't commit adultery. So I guess before, you know, when we just had the law and the Torah and the prophets, I guess it was okay to lust all you want. But as long as you didn't like, you know, take your clothes off and have sex, then you're fine. So as long as you don't cross that line, I guess that line is adultery, uh, you're okay. And then it's like, well, but Jesus here is saying you can't even lust. You can't even lust after somebody. So, and I think it creates all these additional, like, hedges that we want to put around the scriptures, right? You know, these laws, the extra laws that the Jews kind of put. So it's like, okay, if we have to respect the Sabbath, uh, we're going to actually begin the Sabbath, like, several hours earlier, so we don't even go near uh, breaking the Sabbath. Brings another point of other things that we deal with in church when it comes to purity because we also create these laws like well i had i did xyz so therefore i'm good because i didn't have sex and it's like the same thing i don't understand why a lot of christians mind one act it's holier or better or less quote-unquote sinful than actual intercourse oh yeah like you can do other things right and it's like but we didn't have sex exactly so i'm still a virgin it's she's like, still a virgin it's still coming from the same kind of mindset that that, yeah. that you just described which is very distorted it's it's new for me because i feel like when i first came into this tradition we were very big on like we we definitely had like a wall around uh our purity you know, or our, because that's not even purity, or our sexuality, mm-hmm. right? Um, purity that's a good is, point. Purity is a whole say. other different thing that's yeah. not. Yeah, we, a, we are not in agreement with yeah. the purity culture. culture. 
Yeah, so it would be something like, you know, we couldn't even be alone in the same room right. with someone of the opposite sex alone. Right. You know, um, we couldn't spend time alone. That that was like something that, you know, you could get, quote unquote, rebuked for. You know, it's something that you, you might get pulled aside and talked to and, you know, chastised, for lack of a better word, about it. Um, there was There was even... People would have even rules about okay, how long can I can I talk to this person on the phone? Mm-hmm. How long? Uh, how many times can I actually like take them out on a date? But it wasn't like really a date; it was more like a group hangout right. with a whole bunch of other people. And then if you really just liked one person, like you were really interested in pursuing uh, a deeper friendship with one specific person, you had to like make it fair. So you had to like date every single other person. <laughs> Kind of had to do like the round robin of all the other girls in your ministry and go on these these dates, right? Again, you're doing quotation. Yeah, because like, you know, the these other people, they weren't other people. These women, they weren't even like women. They're, you're supposed to see them as like your sister uh-huh. or your mother, you know? And that's from another thing that, that Paul said somewhere else that we kind of uh-huh. stitched together all, you know, to make our own thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it would... So for me, like this trend of people like actually like going almost up to intercourse and then just being, hey, but we pulled back. Right. There was, right. There was no, there was no sex. But then you, you know, they tell you all the other stuff that happened. You're like, well, well, you kind of did have sex. Um, and it's, it's just keeping that in mind. It, I, for me, it, this is kind of like a new phenomena because I think, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I first came into this tradition, that wasn't something people were even getting near to doing because there were a lot of like rules mm-hmm. about like what you could and could not do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happens when we look at the scriptures this way. Yeah. And we literally, it, it gets watered down. Mm-hmm. Because look at us now, we're like, what, in, in our 40s, right? So if we became disciples when we were in our early 20s, um, we will laugh or even be like, of course you could go on and go on a date with her, take her out for ice cream. We, we, we wouldn't ourselves put all these yeah. rules. And so how is it that we believe something so strongly 20 years ago mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, but, you know, kind of like the same thing with racism right now. Mm. Uh, back in the day, it was like, yeah, you got to be like Jesus and get over things. And now all of a sudden, oh, yes, racial tension. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Because it's this hot topic. Yeah. Oh, just gets, gets me upset. I, I'm sorry. I know we're sort of going away from this particular uh, scripture, but, um, but we... We create our own rules by using scriptures and nitpicking scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And I think, yeah, that, that's where we are, you know, in this whole discussion of hell. Uh, you know, and it, it almost like for me, like, I think we, we would read this, but we would read this scripture and we would talk about, okay, there are actual consequences of being you know, promiscuous or having like a casual sexuality, we would call it being impure, right? Being sexually impure. Uh, That would happen in the present. But also there was this eternal reality of like, you know, like, hey, like, you know, if you live like this, if you live in a very moral, morally sexual life, you're you're not going to get to go to heaven, you know, unless like you repent you know, like, and yeah, you could repent at your deathbed or whatever, but you're probably not going to. 
if you've lived your entire life just doing what you want. And so I think, you know, for me, I used to read this scripture very much like, okay, like this, this is also has to do with my eternal destination, you know, and I don't want to go to the bad place. I want to go to the good place. Mm-hmm. So that means like, you know, sex is only for marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to be, you know, quote unquote pure. Right. And that means like, okay, even if I have to deprive myself of like my eye or my hand, mm-hmm. right. It's better because then I'm going to be able to go to heaven and not hell. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably where I think many people still are, mm-hmm. you know, in our tradition is, is looking at this scripture that way. But I do feel like there's another way of looking at this scripture. And I think it has to do with, you know, what we think about and we think about hell. So what if hell, again, is not some faraway place? It's not some eternal destination. It's some type of present reality. Like we could literally be living in hell right now, right? And Jesus and God wants to get the hell out of us, right? So that he can be with us so that we, heaven and earth, can unite within our lives, right? We can be making the world even just a little bit better just by our presence. You know, Jesus made the world a lot better, right? By his presence, he was the full realization of this. And us, you know as we're striving to do this, even in perfect ways, we make the world a better place. So do you feel like looking at hell differently for you changes the meaning of this scripture? Uh, feelings not necessarily changes anything. So it's not a feeling. I know you keep saying think and feel as if it's an opinion. And some people may hear that when you say that. Uh, it's it's looking at the overarching story uh, instead of this little phrases or scriptures so um, yeah of course it changes when you look at the end when you think with the end goal in mind yeah it changes Uh, a mutual friend of ours said that the goal setting shapes our decisions hmm our goal setting shapes our decisions. Mm-hmm. That setting goals is everything because it. So if you want to lose weight, you want to lose thirty pounds in ninety days, it will shape the kind of decisions you do. You choose daily, such as what kind of exercise, what am I going to be eating. So goal setting shapes our decisions, mm-hmm. and. When we have the mindset that my goal is to go to heaven, the ticket to heaven to avoid hell, it's going to shape the decisions that you make every in your day-to-day life versus understanding that God's goal and Jesus, the reason why Jesus came was to bring heaven on earth here for us to contribute to the new humanity here that's also going to shape the decisions that you make every day such as living in the present facing your responsibility having those conversations and as you often say it is our responsibility to look at these scriptures this is not your opinion honey this is not your feeling this is neither nothing you feel nor think this is what the Bible, as you often say, when you read the whole Bible, when you read 
the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's not a matter of feeling or opinion. Yeah. And I think even looking at the tragedy of the Jews, too, like, you know, and, and thinking that they could, you know, rule themselves, like, you know, they could get all these rules and follow all these rules mm-hmm. and somehow be okay. Right. You know? And lose the heart. <laughs> yeah, and lose the heart. And that, that's mm-hmm. been the tragedy. I mean, the triumph of the Jews is that, you know, they honestly, they never blamed God <laughs> for everything so bad true. that happened to them. They never mm-hmm. turned around and been like, well... God must not be real, mm-hmm. like, you know, or if he is real, he's he's a terrible per- being, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's allowed all this stuff to happen to us. Or these other gods must be stronger than our God. Mm-hmm. You know, no, they turned around and said, it was us. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think in their responsibility is where you really see that God chose correctly mm-hmm. when he chose Abraham and his descendants to be his people. He chose people that... At the end of the day, they took responsibility. And you can see that in this, the whole story. So can we look at that very same scripture that we just read with the lenses of heaven and earth? Yeah. So, yeah. So I think when you look at it in the lens of heaven and the earth, when you talk about the eye and the hand, right? Those are actual physical parts of our body. But they also are concepts in mm-hmm. a sense. They're archetypes mm-hmm. for things, right? Mm-hmm. If you... Your eye, right? It's also like the lamp of the body, as right. it says in other scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. It's a concept of like like what you see is the way you interpret the world. Yes. It's the lens by which you interpret... The windows of your soul. Reality. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Peterson likes to say, Jordan Peterson, that, you know, we entered into history, or history really began when we began to interpret events. Mm-hmm. We began to project ourselves out into the future. Mm-hmm. And project ourselves backwards into time. And so we didn't. We don't live in the present. Mm-hmm. None of us here actually live in the present. We, we either have our head somewhere else. Mm-hmm. We're worried about future things that haven't happened yet. Yep. Or we're thinking about things in the past. Stuck in the past. Stuck in the past, mm-hmm. you know. That's, I feel like I, I'm, I'm caught there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, I think some people can look at that as like a problem. And I think it, it could be. But I think just understanding that, you know, entering into human history, history beginning with that ability, because it doesn't seem like animals and other creatures on this planet can do that. Right. Right. You know, like when we had our dog who (laughs) who sadly passed. Right. You know, if if you got mad at her, you know, if she did something stupid, like tried to eat kitty litter. Right. (laughs) Cat turds. Right. You know, you'd be like, what are you doing? Stop. And she'd be like, she'd get all upset. She would cry because you yelled at her. But as soon as you're like, ah, oh, who's a good girl? She's she's done. Yep. She's done. Mm-hmm. You know? I stepped on her tail before, you know, mm-hmm. and she acted like she was this huge attack dog. You know? And then as soon as I'm not stepping on her tail, she's all happy again. Mm-hmm. You know? Because she's, she lives in a moment. She was living in a moment. Mm-hmm. Because she's a dog. Yeah. Right? But, like, a human person, like, I remember the time our niece was really little. <laughs> And uh, my wonderful brother-in-law picked her up because he was so excited to see his little girl. Yeah. And he bumped her head, <laughs> right, on a little, like, beam. Yeah. And even for, like, I want to say hours. Yeah. It was probably more like, you know, like... After dinner. Tens even... of minutes, yeah, you know, not yeah. hours. But she couldn't even look at him. <laughs> she cried. And then after she cried, she just had this angry face on and her arms were thrown back. And yeah. Her face was forward in the characteristic Back arch. Kinde, I'm going to fight you look, right? 
And she, you know, even though she's, you know, not just a Kinde, she's also a Cipriani, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she, she was angry at him. Yeah. And then anger didn't go away right away because mm-hmm. she, she had the capacity to live in history, mm-hmm. right? She could, she was nursing those wounds in the past. Mm-hmm. And now like for a moment, you know, she wasn't sure about this guy because yeah. he, he had lifted her up and banged her head, you know, maybe. <laughs> her father. Yeah, her father. <laughs> You know, and, you know, I know you guys like to talk about the sisters, you and your sister, about like you know, how your dad dropped you guys. Mm-hmm. And he likes to brag about it. Like, ah, I dropped you yeah. in a bathtub. I dropped yeah. you on concrete. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you guys are like, this is why we have a babysitter for you when you babysit yeah. <laughs> the kids, you know, and it's like we enter into history. So thinking of the eye is that mm-hmm. the eye is the lens by which you perceive the world. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you have a lens, if you have a way of looking at the world, right, that is causing you harm, mm-hmm. maybe that's something you need to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get rid of that, if you don't change the way you conceive of the future mm-hmm. and the way you conceive of the past, mm-hmm. you know, there is a hell yep. that is coming. There is a moment in time where those things will come together and they'll they'll be some type of catastrophe. Catastrophes come no matter what. Right. You know? The question is not if, but when. Not if and when. And I think the bigger question is how you perceive those tragedies exactly. when they come. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. like, and I think that's kind of like what Jesus is talking about here. I think there's a way of looking at sexuality. There's a way of looking at relationships between men and women, which are poisonous, mm-hmm. which are not good. Right. You know? And, uh, you know, I think that's something that, you know, we can really take into account here because when we think about the Jewish people that Jesus originally said these things to, they were a people who loved rules. Right. They were people who loved rules about everything mm-hmm. and especially about men and women. Mm-hmm. And I think here we are 2000 years later in a church that, you know, has, has grown, I guess, you know, supposedly away from this, you know, we, we, we tend to use the, the Pharisees as like, the strong, the straw man argument that we build to say this is not what we're like. Mm-hmm. We're different. I don't see it. I see what we do to be in parallel, like almost exactly like you're standing in front of a mirror, even though it's different rules and it's a different culture. Mm-hmm. And it's two thousand years later. It's the same type of thing. Mm-hmm. We're focused on the do's. Right. We're do doing all over our Christianity. Yep. Right. Instead of just focusing on. But what about my mind? Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. and mind? Maybe be that might be too small of a of a concept to even say. What about my being? What about my lens? Mm-hmm. The way I look at the world, the way I experience the world, that's shaping my relationship sexually with the people around me. Yeah. And how could that be causing me to one day have these experiences that are like living in hell? Yeah. And I think you know. I think the obvious ones that have been, kind of been thrown up in our tradition have been, oh, yeah, there's STDs. There's, uh, you know, in the purity culture, there's this idea of every time you have sex with someone, you give them a piece of, of you that they keep forever. And then you're you're broken and, and twisted and pieces of yourself all over the place, you know. And there's this idea of like, well, nobody's happy who's just out there sleeping with whoever, yeah. you know. But I think there's there's another thing, too, that's also a sort of living hell. And that is, you know, living in fear and living in fear of, like, the opposite sex mm-hmm. and living in fear of yourself. 
-hmm. like you're some sexual deviant right because like you you can't follow the rules or some stuff has happened that now people are going to view you as impure or damaged goods Mm -hmm. and i think there's a different story here Mm -hmm. you know with the adulterous woman right with different sexual things that jesus encounters Mm -hmm. right you know he heals them he who is he who is without sin cast the first stone mm-hmm. when he wrote on the ground, mm-hmm. right? And there's this idea here that, you know, God doesn't condemn us. Right. That actually would be a good story for us to examine more in depth soon, you know? But like, you know, Jesus didn't condemn her. Mm-hmm. Go and sin no more. Right. But again, changing our definition of sin. Mm-hmm. Don't necessarily go and stop, you know... Sleeping around. Sleeping around. Mm-hmm. It's go and... and Change who you are. Not, exactly. Not change who you are. Your being. Go be who you were meant to be. Right. And, and I think the idea of that we're, we are not the worst things that we have ever done. Right. We're more than that. Right. There's an incalculable weight and there's an incalculable price on every human life right. despite the worst things they've ever done. Right. And I think if we, we take that into our lives... And I think, you know, like if you're struggling with something that I think, you know, your church may feel like, okay, that's impure, that's something that you need to stop right away. And you, you're having like, you just, you're not able to stop, whether it's masturbation, pornography, or it's actual like encounters with real people, right? You have to look at yourself. And I think you have to say, what is it about the way I'm looking at the world that's causing this? Because that's not the sin. Mm-hmm. That's the acts of the sinful nature. The sin is the way you see the world. Mm-hmm. So what needs to be removed with that? What needs to be taken out? I think that's the eye that Jesus was talking about. So, yeah, we just talked about like the eye, mm-hmm. what that could mean. You know what Jesus was talking about there. And then we're going to talk about the hand in verse 30. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole, than for your whole body to go into hell. Right? So for me, like, one of the things that kind of amuses me about this scripture is that, you know, at least in our tradition, we're very quick to take other pieces of the Bible, like, very literally. Mm-hmm. But, but when we get to verses like this, we're like, obviously Jesus didn't mean you know, cut off your hand. Mm-hmm. He meant follow the rules. Mm-hmm. He meant like, you know, like don't even, don't even get near it. You know, like if there's, like you said before, if there's a relationship, if there's something that's causing you to stumble, cut it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of men in our movement have put like software on their computers so they can't even go to certain sites, mm-hmm. you know, or they, you know, they don't, they're never alone. They, they're constantly asking people to sleep over their house, mm-hmm. you know, so like they can't even like, go and masturbate if they want to, right? They can't even go look at pornography if they want to, you know? So there's that. Just follow the rules. Follow the rules, dude. It's right there. Jesus is saying, cut off your hand, mm-hmm. right? But what about if it's something else? What What is a hand? What does a hand do? A hand is the way you interact with the world, right? It's the way you approach life. It's, it's the decisions you make. What do you mean? Uh, it's like with your hands, you know, our hands are, are primary to our identity, you know, How like, so? I don't see it. Well, you know, we're, we're the tool makers, 
where the creatures okay, on the I planet who makes tools. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. like our earliest ancestor, we call him Homo habilis, <laughs> which means like handyman. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he was the first primate that stood upright and made tools. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, and he's connect, he's genetically related to us. Yeah. I do see the hand with like our work. <clears throat> yeah. It's mm-hmm. what we do. Right. It's mm-hmm. how, it's well, the work we do in our life. Okay. And I think the work that we do in life I think it says something about us. Okay. And I think it says something about us deep. And I don't mean what do you do for a living, right? <laughs> I mean like how how your your life impacts the world. Mm-hmm. What? Why? How is the world different because of the way you're living? Sure. What's your contribution? What's your contribution? So then you take this and you, you consider the audience that Jesus was speaking to. He was speaking to people who loved rules. <laughs> exactly. And, and yeah. you had forgotten the whole point of the whole thing. Yeah. They forgot about the heart, you know, and it in some ways it was to their credit because they took responsibility for themselves. But they took responsibility for like we just didn't know it. We didn't know the law. Mm. So we have to we have to learn how to teach it to each other and then we have to build up all these rules so that we don't even come near breaking the law. We can't be lawbreakers anymore. And in some sense maybe, but in a deeper sense they lost the point of who they were supposed to be, of what Israel was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. They lost the heart. And again, holding holding them up to us, I think we're the same way. I think men and women, you know, in Garden of Eden-like spaces, in spaces where heaven and earth become one, are meant to be work together, mm-hmm. are meant to be together, mm-hmm. are meant to have appropriate relationships. And if you think about it, in the Garden of Eden... Who did Adam and Eve hide from first? From each other. They hid from each other. Mm-hmm. Because, again, coming into history, seeing their capacity to be hurt and to harm, they feared each other. Right. And they covered themselves from each other. They hid mm-hmm. because they were naked. Mm-hmm. They were vulnerable. Right. And I think we're doing the same thing with all of these laws, all of these rules that we put in place. You know, I, I didn't mean this to become... A discussion about purity culture, but I guess it kind of is becoming that. You know, it, it is. It is. Yeah, it's becoming that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but here we are, and it's it's the same thing. There's a deeper thing that I think Jesus is is talking about here. That there's a way that we we act in the world, right? <clears throat> there's the impact we have in the world. Our hand is used to make things. Our hand is used. To shake someone's hand. Our hands are used to give a hug. Our hands are used to do things. And I think when we take a step back and we think about, okay, how, in the context of adultery and sexuality, how is the way I'm working in the world, how is that promoting, you know, unity between the genders the way God would want, or how is it pushing people away? And I think when you make a wall and you make a a fence, as soon as you do that, people want to cross it. People want to jump across. Sure, it's human nature. It's human nature. But if you have an open field, right, even though it seems risky, it seems dangerous, what are people going to do? You know, they're obviously just going to take off their clothes and start sleeping with, each other, sleeping with each other. But if you throw out the rules and you say, well, maybe if we start treating people like adults and we trust them because now, you know, we're, get, we're putting into them the whole story, not just rules to follow, mm-hmm. but they're understanding the why. Mm-hmm. You know, and not the why behind the rule, but the why behind the point of the whole story. Mm-hmm. Maybe then 
maybe, just maybe then, real authentic relationships with, between men and women can begin. I remember being, uh, you know, I still think of myself as a young man, but I remember being myself being in college, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I would hear all these rules, you know. And, you know, college, you know, when, when you're trying to follow all these rules, it's, it's very, very hard, you know. And obviously, you know, <clears throat> I didn't want to necessarily, you know, do what I did before. You know, I didn't want to, you know, date a lot of different people and do a lot of different things. Um, but trying to follow the rules was like, was a nightmare. I kept breaking them, mm-hmm. you know. I remember even one time, like, crossing one side of the campus to the other i feel like i broke like 10 or 20 rules and i called you know we we called them discipling partners i called him at the time just crying like i had done all this bad stuff you know but you i found a, a curious trick to kind of like have more healthy relationships with women in college do you know what want to know what that trick was <laughs> what was the trick it was not showering and shaving wow for a whole That's week gross. And it was just great. No, I'm kidding. But me and Mario actually did come up with that once, and it totally didn't work. Uh, what I found is that if I actually had a conversation with somebody, even if I maybe found them attractive, and now I knew them as a person, right, that suddenly a lot of that went away. A lot of that, you know, wanting to do inappropriate things, it just went away by themselves. Because this, this is my buddy. This is my friend. Mm-hmm. And so it was like changing uh, the way I saw things, the way I saw my own sexuality and other people's sexuality, and it changed the way I impacted in the world. Like it wasn't just about, you know, resisting this temptation because everything is so sinful. It was about getting to know people and getting to know my friends. Mm, that's interesting. I'm, I'm still thinking about what our friend said about the goal setting changes our decisions or in highly influences our day-to-day decisions because uh, as i'm looking i'm listening to you about the whole dating or looking at someone inappropriately by having conversations i I think about my dad i think about this picture and i'll probably put it in instagram very soon tomorrow's my dad's birthday um is that in my dad did a great job helping me understand my value. Hmm. I was his princess. I was special. I was a queen. And yes? You're still his princess. (laughs) (laughs) And that allowed me to make decisions that I'm going to wait to get my king. Oh, like my niece likes to tell my sister, <laughs> I want to find my king so we can rule the world. Together, right? <laughs> together. Wow. Which is exactly what our role is, to reign together. Um, and, and so when we know who we are before God, we make different decisions. And, you know, Jesus is telling, sin, like, stop sinning focus on your value and who you are who i created you to be will help you make better decisions yeah. i'm i'm grateful that we did not intend to talk about purity at all mm-hmm. today no. <laughs> we literally were focusing on this sermon of the mountain and we're in matthew 5 
Um, however, the, these are some of the conversations that we are seeing and um, we could get, again, so caught up. Because if you read it, uh, actually right now, can you read it how it says about the hand, cut it off? So with the lenses of heaven and earth, what is Jesus saying about cutting it off? What do you mean? Now that you've mentioned that our hand, it's our work and who we are. Yeah. What did he mean by cutting it off? Yeah, so again, hell being maybe not a faraway place sure. of eternal judgment. But a present day reality mm-hmm. that we can experience right now. I think, again, most people on tradition would be like, okay, we can agree with that. You know, and they'll be like, yeah, because there's all these consequences that you can happen from being, you know, quote unquote, sexually impure, being impure, living this way. And then it's like, okay, well, maybe that's true. But I think there's another side of it, too, that I think living in fear and living with all of these rules and, you know, not being an authentic human being to other human beings because you're so paranoid of them as sexual objects, you know, that you live your life in this fear, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, that's also like a living hell. Absolutely. And I think Jesus here is saying, okay, there's a, there's a way we think, there's a way we perceive reality, which is our eyes, and there's the way we act in reality, which is our hands. And we need to, you know, change something about that because that is, you know, causing us to fall into these hells. Yeah. You know, largely of our own creation. And I, so I think acting appropriately in the world uh, means like sometimes ditching the rules. I think sometimes in, in our traditions past, in our present, you know, we've we've kind of like worshipped the rules and we've forgotten about, you know, compassion. We've forgotten about love. We've forgotten about what it means to be a truly human being, a true human being. And I think... And in the same way, I think kind of just throwing out all the rules would be the best thing our tradition could ever do. And then just trusting people, trusting people enough to learn the story. I think we have to start teaching the whole Bible, not proof texting, you know, not like this. That's love. Yeah, God's love. Our identity before God and talking about that. So we can make better decisions. Yep. When we create rules, it enable it enables especially the young to follow rules instead of making decisions. Right. Instead of learning how to choose, and because decision, the Latin word for that means to cut off other choices. Mm-hmm. And so we, it's a practice when we're not faced with that um practice of making decisions we lose it or we don't even know how to do that and that is exactly what god is calling us to do to make decisions yeah absolutely and i think it's, it's making decisions and acting in a way that you know where you're trusting god you're trusting the whole thing Mm-hmm. Right. It's not about these little moments. Did I do the right thing? Mm-hmm. Was I a good boy or was I a good girl? You mm-hmm. know, it's deeper than that. It's am I being authentically human? And I, I don't think you can define that as one specific thing in one moment. And I kind of want to like wrap up this discussion. Um, I heard Marty Solomon say this on his the Bema podcast once, which I thought was really deep. And he talked about, you know, like even in, you know, the creation stories God doesn't really seem to create much of anything. Hmm. But what he what he does seem to do is he, he does a lot of separating. Hmm. 
Mm. He, d- he makes a lot of spaces. Mm. And then he fills it with things. Mm. He fills it with living creatures. And the whole story is kind of set up as if, you know, God is creating a sacred space and he's settling down into it to rest or to dwell in it. And so I think for ourselves, when we make space in our lives and we, we fill it with God, I think that's where we see transform lives. Because I think you can train, you can train a dog, you can train, you can't train a cat, but you can train like you know, lots of different animals to follow rules. But with a human being, it needs to be more, because even if we're just following the rules, our hearts can still be rotten. Mm-hmm. We can still be rotten people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can still be people that are not adding any goodness to the world because mm-hmm. we're so exhausted about. Following all the rules. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know, I, I would love to comfort you right now, but I'm not really sure if that's good for my purity. Mm-hmm. I'd love to, you know, you're, you know, we're, we're, t- we're having this conversation right now, and it sounds like you really need a friend, but, you know, like, I'm not sure if I can do that right now because, you know, I was, I was advised not to talk to you that much, mm-hmm. you know, and I think mm-hmm. there's, there's, you know, we, we've had situations like that and we were getting to know each other, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think just understanding that, Sometimes what we think that we're holding on to that's saving us, that's keeping us from sin, is actually the things that's keeping us in sin. It's like these prisons that we've built for ourselves. The we hell have that the lock. Created for ourselves. We have the key. We can leave whenever we want, mm-hmm. but we're not going to. Mm-hmm. Because like the Jews before us, we are confusing the box that we've built, the rules that we've built for the authentic experience that God wants us to have of being real human beings built in his image and built to be co-workers with him to create an amazing world co-creators with God absolutely yeah so we're going to be leaving the Sermon on the Mount um, and so there's, there's different ways that we can, we can go from here you know, we could touch on the other scriptures, some of the other scriptures where Jesus talks about hell and, you know, see how like changing our idea of hell as being some far off place to being a real present reality, how that changes the meaning uh, of some of the scriptures as, you know, as we've been taught, you know, and as we've, you know, also taught others through our tradition. Um, and I, I think like from there, I kind of wanted just to, you know, pivot a little bit. Because now that we kind of have the whole story of the Bible with us, heaven and earth, you know, we've talked about the gospel and we've kind of addressed some things in in hell, uh, just really just kind of wrapping it all up and then talking about, well, then what is our responsibility? You know, so we have all these things. Now, we, now we're beginning to question or wonder about some stuff. What, what do I do with that? You know, because I think in many ways, this this can potentially change the entire way we approach our Bible. This can be, this can change the entire way that we imagine our purpose is as Christians or disciples. And our decisions. Yeah. And our choices. Because now, if it's not up to me to dispense good advice and wisdom to help people, you know, escape hell, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing with this? What is my true responsibility if it's not telling people what to do? Because now you're trying to take that away from me too. I was really good at telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. And now you want me to do something else. What am I supposed to do? So I think we can we can have a 
a brief discussion on that of, you know, now what is our responsibility going forward, knowing what we know. I love it. Well, stay tuned, guys. Thank you for tuning in into Life to the Full podcast and our season of Facing a Responsibility. Adios, muchachas. And muchachos.